Welcome to the Science Slot Machine. Brought to you by students of the Science, Technology and Society Master's Program at the University of Vienna. In this podcast, we explore topics from the very notable to the very niche. We always keep an eye on how science, technology and society relate to one another in various aspects. We discuss hot topics, but also suggestions by you. Check us out on social media. And be sure to send us your topic suggestions to science.machine at gmail.com. Hello and welcome to the Science Slot Machine. I'm joined here, as always, by my co-hosts, Robbie and Costa. So, just a quick little update. How are you guys doing this week? Have you guys got your Christmas shopping done? Hello. Yes, actually I did. I usually do it um, somewhere in the middle of November because, you know, all the people go crazy shopping and I really don't like this rush around the holiday. So, I normally tend to prepare the presents much more in advance. What about you? But that there was lockdown, wasn't it? How did you manage to do that? Oh no, you got me here. Actually, I ordered some stuff online, even if I didn't want to. But for my family this year, I'm gonna kind of focus more on handmade stuff so we can embrace back the whole concept of Christmas and the holidays. Indeed, spending time with your family and not focusing on the material stuff. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, so I didn't do any Christmas shopping, <laughs> to be honest. Same. Um, but uh, yeah. I will maybe do some in the next weeks, but I'm not really sure. Also, yeah, yeah. We we in our family we actually decided to, yeah, only give one present to one person, and not yeah. That's really nice. Not, not, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. So when you guys are doing your shopping, I one quick question: Do you? Robbie already said she uses the internet. So did you take? You said you shopped in November. Would you have? Happen to take advantage of some of these Black Friday sales, Robbie? Are you guilty? Oh, man. <laughs> yes, I did. I bought the present for my sister's birthday that's in December. Um, not particularly on Black Friday, but there happened to be some discounts, so I took advantage. But so I can you know, make the situation less worse, I would say that I actually bought only one thing and it's something that she actually needs. So it was not like the mass consume, consumerist thing, but still I feel guilty now. Thanks. It's okay. It's okay. I have another anecdote uh, towards this topic because actually I had a, like we scheduled a, a meeting uh, on this particular Friday, the Black Friday, and we had a discussion around it when we should schedule it or if it was possible on this Friday. And actually, like it was a study group and one person said, uh, no, no, I can't. I can't. It's Black Friday. I have stuff to do. Like I have to buy things. I can't come. And I thought, yeah, this was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can see that this is how society works today. Yeah. It's a real event, and uh, I actually can tell you guys that on some calendars sold in the U.S., it is an actual day that is on the calendar after Thanksgiving. So it's pretty, not on every calendar, but on a lot of calendars. Um, so if the listeners are wondering here, it might seem like we're rambling about our weeks and our shopping activities, especially online. But today we actually plan to deal with the wide topic of consumerism 
And we're going to theme it with a little discussion about Christmas shopping, particularly e-shopping in, in these times of COVID-19. Um, so, yeah, Robbie, maybe you can mention a little bit about why you think this topic is important and if there are any immediate STS types of investigations that come to your mind. Oh, why is this topic so relevant? Well, our whole economy is kind of built on consumerism and consumption of different goods and services. So if you look at it from historical perspective, you would see that it actually made sense at some point that they promote this kind of mass consumption. So they uh, different services and fields could develop uh, much quicker and much more people could have access to particular stuff. But nowadays we have actually made something completely out of it. And talking about Black Friday, actually, I thought it's kind of a pretty modern phenomenon, but it appeared kind of for the first time in the 60s. And it was not something that was enforced by the shops or it wasn't also marketing strategy, just happened very naturally because people were buying so much around Thanksgiving and Christmas that the policemen were calling it the Black Friday because they had to be so careful with what's happening. But yeah, that's why I think it's um, important because if you look at it from sociological perspective, how would you define a consumerist society? It's like a society... Uh, in which people devote a great deal of time, energy and resources and thought to consuming and what kind of commodities they would have, would they gain prestige, identity whatsoever through them and so on. But I'm pretty sure that Costa could introduce us to some very interesting STS perspectives or maybe you, Harry. Um, yeah, what I would say is that STS has... Um Kai's kind of always had this relationship with investigating consumerism or actually what's a little bit more confusing, any type of ism, because as you know, the social, uh, I mean, STS, I gave it away, emerged uh, in the United States, at least as a field or a subfield of sociology combining with the philosophy of science. And at the time, it was really entangled in the activist groups that were going on in the United States. So when we think about hippies today, I guess that's what comes to mind with activists. We think anti-war, anti-big government, anti-anti-anti, but they were also anti-consumer society. And so this was already recognized in the United States that there was a wide consumer society where people would buy things probably that they didn't need. Um, and in fact, there was a book that kicked off in the 1900s, early 1900s, that was the first real critique of a consumer society. And I think what's important to keep in mind is when you're talking about consumerism, it's not just people buying things. It's the fact that people buying things has kind of been pervasive into other aspects of life. So if we're thinking about holidays, you go directly after Thanksgiving in a U.S. context and buy things for Christmas. But this also comes in for Valentine's Day, where it's not uh, celebrating a saint. It's about celebrating your love through purchasing different items St. Patrick's Day, going out and buying things for St. Patrick's Day and so on and so on. But I think what's really important is that consumerism isn't just buying things, but it's also buying things that you might not necessarily need. So I don't know, Costa probably does know a lot to speak on on this and he's just being shy. So I give the mic back over to him before I ramble on some more. That's okay if you ramble. Uh, I mean, I wonder 
I have one question. Uh, so what's the problem with buying stuff and buying unnecessary stuff? Is that even a problem? It's a, it's a great point. And I think we here in the West, uh, especially in Vienna and yeah, in many contexts, have the luxury about talking about it as a problem. So we get the time to critique it as an, an issue of overabundance and an issue of leisure. Um, but not everybody has that. And it's not a problem for everybody here. You know, some people really think that they benefit from that. And maybe they do have justifications that they do benefit. Um, being able to buy things at a low price, uh, things that they can have, for instance, four shirts instead of two shirts for their whole week. And this was not, this is actually a very modern thing for people to be able to fill their closets without spending an entire fortune or life fortune on their things, to be able to afford transportation, a bicycle, things like these. These are consumer items that are very, very modern things. So it's been, I don't want to sound like a technological progressivist here that te technology brings a better life, but there are arguments to be made and there are things to see about consumer society benefiting, well, um, the consumer um, or the person. And I think that's one of the big things as well, is it's not just that society has changed, but it's also changed how people operate in that type of society where they're identified by what they buy and how often they buy it and what they need and what they don't need. And yeah, I think that big companies and markets really predicate and you know they learn consumer behavior and know what to sell when to sell it and how to keep their company going i mean if they made products that would last forever then they wouldn't come around the next season to buy these types of things because there would be no need but if you make them think that there's a need then they'll buy it are you are you saying that some products are not supposed to live forever like I've heard of that uh, kind of uh, process and I, I thought it would be called um, planned obsolescence or something like that. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, planned obsolescence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so when something is obsolete, it means that it no longer functions or serves its purposes as it was originally intended. And there's many, many examples about this and we go many directions with that. Um, but absolutely, big companies, uh, particularly to always blame the tech companies, uh, Apple, Samsung, Dell, uh, computer companies. You know, you get new hardware um, that doesn't work with software. You get cars, for instance, that don't, um, you're not able to upgrade the internal components of a car, engines and stuff at a reasonable price because they are planned to be obsolete, not only to upkeep environmental standards. Yes, that's a big component of it but also so that there is a market for buying automobiles. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Harry, it's obvious that you're talking a lot from an US uh, perspective again, um, but we're living in Austria. So I think Robbie uh, took a look into what Austrians uh, say about uh, like uh, consume, consumation and Black Friday and stuff like that. Maybe you can tell us uh, something about what's going on in Austria. Yes, thank you, Costa, for bringing it up. Actually, unfortunately, we don't have uh, statistics from this year because I think due to the lockdown, the numbers would change drastically in comparison to previous years. And I do have the feeling that people would be bu buying much more now than before. And trust me, they used to buy a lot even the previous years. 
Last year in 2019, actually almost 60% of um, Austrians who were asked to participate in a survey bought something on Black Friday or Cyber Monday. And, um, you know, the Austrian companies expected a turnover of around 400 million euros on those two days, which is wow. That's a lot. Like, That's it's a, lot. a very big number, but can you actually assume how much the average Austrian person spends on Black Friday and Cyber Monday only? Mm, maybe 100 euros or something. I mean, I think if we take the average, there's a lot of people that don't. But there's a lot of people that do, <laughs> and the people that do probably spend a whole lot. And there's also not many Austrians. So, I don't know, a couple hundred, a couple hundred euros? Well, according to Handelsverband, it's, the average is 260 euro, which is actually not that much. Because I also looked up some statistics from the States, and turns out there is like $400, which is almost... 50% more. Yeah, it's always the states. It's always the states. <laughs> yeah, I guess there I guess there it's kind of a tradition after all that's where those kind of days were established so it makes sense. I can make some excuses. Bigger families, uh the valuation of the euro against the dollar. No, I'm just kidding. So there is a noticeable thing. It's probably I think 260 euros is about $300 and yeah, family size is not a good argument. But uh <laughs> but Yes, the consumer culture in the U.S. is much more prevalent than Austria, but I do see some parallels here. And I think um, when we discussed this topic at first, we wanted to kind of mention what's going on in Austria and maybe a failure of a competitor. So there's, yeah, everybody knows what Amazon is. And um, increasingly, I've seen myself even go to Amazon and be like, oh, yeah, I, I could get that and order it because I can't go get it in the shop. And I'm ordering things that I probably don't even need. But Europeans use Amazon too. And there's, you know, an Amazon.uk, there's an Amazon.de, and so on and so forth. And something recently happened that Costa could tell us about where Austrians decided they wanted to compete with this uh, market. Yeah, the process which you talk about, like everyone going on Amazon and buying stuff, also people from Austria doing that. Uh, actually, the government and the um, trade chamber, they came up with an idea and 700,000 euros <laughs> uh, to build a new website. And it's called uh, www.kaufhaus-österreich.at. And uh, it was a big rumor in social media because the website actually didn't work. Like the search engines didn't didn't work properly and no one could really find what they were searching for. And the goal of the website was actually to promote Austrians buying stuff they need online from Austrian companies. And it turned out to be, yeah, just a failure, like a failure, and uh, everyone laughed about it. And they really spent seven hundred thousand euros of uh, people's money on that. And yeah, I don't know what to think about that. And then they went back to Amazon, right, to find what they needed. Probably, I guess. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know, Robbie. Uh, if you're not using Amazon, what are what are some things that you would do? To, if you let's let's walk through. What is your process of finding a good a Christmas present in this current time? Okay, it has nothing to do with consumerism because I I am really a fan of meaningful 
presents and it's not like, okay, Christmas is, is in two days and I have to buy something. I always think very carefully of what this person needs and if they have shared with me something. So I don't, I don't think I have an opinion on that, but let's be honest. I also do order a lot of stuff on Amazon, like mostly books and also at work, all the equipment we order, it's very often through Amazon and there are many advantages and also disadvantages because Costa earlier mentioned like, what is the problem of mass consumption and what is the problem? If you look at it from more sustainability perspective, you can see that there are a lot of issues, especially with uh, online buying because those purchases, I mean, it's so much costs and so much fuel going only for your package being delivered in two days. And you know, people nowadays even get pissed if it takes longer than that, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is ridiculous. We're so spoiled. And I have another fun fact for you guys. Can you guess how many packages were transported uh, by the United States Postal Service back in 2018? A lot. Just <laughs> just for the month between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm going to guess there's 327 million people, so 327 million. Costa, what would you say? You ask per day, right? Okay, you can say also per day. Okay. Bah, I don't know. It's a lot. Like, uh, Especially if we think of what Harry said, that it's a tradition, what we discussed, that you spend some money on it, I think... I don't want to give a number of it. I think a lot, maybe even more than Harry's. I was just saying more than Harry's. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and you guessed right. Actually, they they transported nine hundred million packages <laughs> okay. for one month, which is approximately thirty million packages per day. Whoa! Wow. Yeah, I was already guessing. Like, okay, maybe three hundred twenty-seven million is too high. I don't think a six-year-old is sending a package. But that means that uh, for every person, there's a, there's between two and three packages being sent per person in the U.S. in one month. That's absolutely insane. <laughs> and making it again more local. I mean, actually, not necessarily because according to statistics worldwide, people do mostly buy technological stuff like different kind of gadgets and stuff like that both on black friday and cyber monday so like in austria last year the top five products were smartphones notebooks like laptops and um tvs which is crazy mm. yeah i always wonder um if you can blame the individual so to say so is this a just a just a free choice to be made um because if you ask me for instance um if i should buy like a, a new smartphone in 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 some time i would also go for the cheapest price probably so is this is this would you say this is an individual problem or is this a structural problem where like our society as a whole and the production uh, processes we we produce products with uh, are the problem I would say that it's a structural problem that entails individuals. That's what I would say. I would say that, you, of course, you cannot blame the individual. I, I think it would be really, really a bad thing to do to start blaming individuals, especially given, you know, that people work hard for their money for the most part, and not everybody, but a lot of people work hard for their money. 
and want that cheapest price because if they can save some money on something that they, uh, I guess, supposedly need in a modern society, like a smartphone, um, then they can spend the money elsewhere for something, <laughs> maybe another smartphone. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I would not say that it's an individual problem, but it just entails individual behaviors. So it takes advantage of those things. I totally agree with Harry. And I was actually surprised that people buy mostly technology in some way because I have the feeling everything else we consume throughout the rest of the year. And it's very interesting because we have this need of constantly buying new stuff. And really, we do need to buy new stuff at some point. But the business of storage rooms is also growing simultaneously. You know, you can obviously see there is a correlation there. So why would you buy stuff and then store them for years without using them? Is there a solution to that? Um, to Is there a solution to people buying so much stuff that they need a storage room to put the other stuff that the new stuff has replaced? Is that what you're asking? Or <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the, the solution would be... Uh, total removal of this consumer society if you look at it as a structural issue so that means that making the goods so expensive that people didn't think that they could have them anymore which is not we're not so far removed from that you know like we're not so far removed from people thinking like well i can't afford that because yeah really i physically can't afford that you know we have credit cards now where people can buy things that they don't actually have the money for, but they have the ability to purchase the item. You know, we, ha we have all these means that people can have more things than, than they actually need for their day-to-day -day use, which to get off of this little rant, um, Ravi, you mentioned earlier, which I really respected, that you're getting really into the handmade type of gifts and everything. And I, th I think that's cool. But you also said that, you want to get people a present that you think that they really need. And so you are thinking about what people need. And I think that's not something that only you do, but that's something that the manufacturers of goods think about as well. And I think the job of a manufacturer or a good is to make the consumer think that they need something even when they might not need it. So I don't know if either of you two have any thoughts on that and, and what that means. And maybe you could also kind of hint to where STS can come in and solve that. Because I'll just give you one big hint that there is something going on through social media and internet browsing and everything that monitors how individuals, therefore consumers, look at things and advertise to them. And, and then therefore... Yeah, the consumer will be shown things repeatedly until they click that buy. Yes, uh, Harry, I cannot argue with what you're saying because you're, you're totally right. And it could be that I'm somehow manipulated subconsciously uh, into buying stuff that I think people need and they actually don't. But I still want to believe that's not the case. But of course, the algorithms that are behind... Uh, large technological systems such as Amazon, uh, it's very impossible, in my opinion, to actually um, fight them in a way. But what I meant earlier in terms of presence, uh, have you heard about White Monday, for example? It's a Swedish initiative um, that kind of uh, became a global movement for circular co consumption 
which means that on White Monday, um, the motto is rent, repair, and reuse. And it's considered the antidote of, of Black Friday. And that's what I meant by meaningful presence that people actually need. I do try to stay as sustainable as possible. And I do think that nowadays there are more and more people that consider this when they're buying presents and they try to make them personal and uh, sustainable at the same time. Yeah, that actually sounds quite good. Uh, however, I wonder how many people are doing this already. So I think the mainstream is still with uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday instead of um, other opportunities. But I think you're pointing at yeah a, an important issue, which is sustainability. Mm -hmm. And I also wonder, like, uh, how sustainable are the products I buy? How sustainable is Is it to purchase online a lot, uh, whether it's shipping across all of the globe and stuff like that? Yeah, so I mm -hmm. really don't know. Yeah, and I would also say that, I mean, at least my observations, I'm a, if listeners don't know by now, I'm a very, very critical and a very, very negative person. I'm kind of like an old man trapped in a 26-year-old's body. That is true. <laughs> that, that is absolutely true. Um, and I think something we are going to have to think about as a society if we want to just get onto the sustainability thing is the difference between sustainable goods and sustainability because the most sustainable thing that someone can do is to limit the amount of things that they buy and to limit the amount of things that they do that hurts the environment around them so if you fill your house with a ton of goods that are also just sustainable goods it's not necessarily being sustainable if you have a ton of stuff that's just overabundance but you say hey they're sustainable i mean you're still contributing into a consumer society and buying maybe a bunch of unnecessary things that just happen to be made better and happen to be sustainable goods that are better than their um counterparts in non-sustainable goods but I don't, I think there's a difference between that. And I think walking around in Vienna, I don't know what your guys' experience is, but that's kind of the hot new thing here is like, you know, bamboo type made things and the toothbrush with that's wooden and uh, toothpaste that's got no microbeads. So it feeds kind of directly into the consumer market, not to be so critical about it. But I mean, people are putting these items against other items and justifying in their pro in their head the one to two euro price difference of a good or something like that yeah yeah and i also think um adding on to that there's that there's a lot of judging between different societal actors so individuals judging each other for being not sustainable enough or uh stuff like that and i think that's a really bad thing to do and uh Because uh, consumerism and con consume has also also a lot to do with social status. So who can actually um, afford to be sustainable? Like who can, because sustainable products might often be a little more pricey, a little more expensive than other products in the main, in the like industry produced uh, products. And so the question that I ask myself often is who can actually afford to be sustainable. And uh, because if you're, if you're like, you have a lot of children and you're uh, like uh, feeding them alone and search for some stuff to buy for them. Um, it's not that easy to be sustainable and uh, pay your rent at the same time often. 
That's so true. That's so true. And you can obviously see that consumerism and sustainability in some form go hand in hand. And for our listeners, you can totally expect um, an episode on sustainability in the very near future. Yeah. Thanks, Roy. I think I'm I'm so looking forward to that episode. I know it's something that we've wanted to do um, for quite a while. Um, but moving us back to Christmas shopping and, and e-shopping and all that stuff, I think that we're about ready to wrap up the episode pretty soon. And I think we should really hit on what Costa just said is that a lot a big part of consumerism is 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 judging other consumers are measuring your worth or your your value as an individual against other people by what they own. And maybe we should start really being critical about that, um, you know, about measuring people by what they're able to buy and about what they possess. And if they don't have the newest smartphone or don't have a phone at all. Um, and yeah, be smart with your Christmas purchasing decisions this uh, Christmas. And also maybe don't judge people too harshly right after Christmas and ruin the holiday cheer for everybody by saying, how could you buy that? How could you buy that new thing? Um, and just celebrate Christmas with your loved ones and remember what it's um, about. That's exactly true. And maybe here it's the perfect moment to actually give the usual STS twist to this topic. So Harry, actually, have, I have a question for you. You mentioned earlier something about measuring customers as individuals. Can you elaborate more on that? I think it's very strongly related to STS. Yeah, well, um, like we kind of identified before is that consumerism and STS have this long history. And, uh, you know, a consumer um, to a company and to a consumer society is seen as an individual that makes free choices and that makes certain decisions about what products they want to buy or what products they think they should buy. And um, this has been a lot of, yeah, work has been going on in STS, not necessarily to address the entire issue of consumerism. I mean, STS usually takes more magnified glances or looks at more specific issues. Um, and one of the big things that they've looked at is measuring this individual, uh, as you said, uh, Robbie. So, um, at a conference two years ago uh, in Graz, there this this theme came out a lot, um, and it was more so critical perspectives on STS and everyday type of topics. So the consumer uh, in Europe, the individual in the United States, the individual uh, was mentioned a lot here. And one of the things that came up was this uh, concept of the postulated consumer, and a postulated consumer is basically the measured consumer. So keeping track of what they look at and keeping track of um, what they click on uh, type of measure them and get a hint of their behavior as a consumer. And so this can kind of forecast what they might buy and how they should be targeted specifically. So it's individualizing advertisement uh, plans and uh, individualizing um, what to show them for the big sale on Amazon or some other like website. And, Something that emerged in this conference uh, in a couple of the presentations, especially in the keynote addresses, was the move away from more traditional ways of measuring consumer behavior, such as surveys, such as uh, different interviews as they exited these uh, kind of 40-year-old Black Friday sales and everything, and the move to just measuring what they do in their free time 
on the internet, whether they're looking at goods or not. And so this actually is now the way to go for measuring consumer behavior. There is, there's still survey going on, but the surveying is only usually used to cross-check or corroborate the information that is found on uh, consumer behavior through these more modern technological ways of looking at the individuals. And I think that this has a foothold in STS, and I, I think it should, in my opinion, become something that people look at more because it's one of those critical issues that affects yeah, the the common person, as STS derogatorily calls them, the layperson, uh, more often than not. Um, and I think it's one of those issues that people actually should care about and probably do care about, even if they don't know. And so maybe Costa can talk a little, yeah, a bit about uh, how STS could approach that again. And if it's not been there, yeah, how it could come back. Yeah, I mean, you have been in earlier. You have been talking about the emerging, like emerging STS, uh, the field of science, technology, and society studies in the US and beyond. So it started in the US and the UK, and uh, it had this strong activist approach. So there was not only scholarly um, interests uh, in that uh, approach, but also activists' um, sides. And I think. Um, what we can learn from that is also now we we should actively engage in what is happening in societies and in both do scholarly uh, work and experiences and uh, do research about it maybe also focus a little about it on it like you can definitely look into it uh, when you're doing your case studies when you're doing thesis um like pushing this topic but also engage within like societal actors um for instance ngos or something there's a lot of people concerned with that consumerism and consumer societies and people actually do care about it and engage with the topic and i think what sds can do is provide some knowledge on it look at it from different perspectives and also engage with different political actors and societal actors and therefore, what I promote uh, is a more engaged STS into this topic of consumerism. Totally. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> something else came on my mind, and it's something that we have discussed millions of times already, I'm sure. And it's indeed the role of technology as an actor into this huge network of, you know, consuming. So... It got me thinking, you know, in STS, we often um, compare two theories, technological determinism and the social construction of technology, which impacts the other one more. Technology impacts society or society impacts um, technologies. And why am I saying that? It's because those systems that we're using nowadays to buy stuff, to consume stuff, they we can call them hybrid systems, right? So you go online or you have an app and you order something digitally in this virtual world and you end up getting a package at home that's 100% material. So those hybrid systems, we can give millions of examples for them too, such as uh, Zalando, Cubicle, Spock, Wilhelm, so all those systems 
despite the sustainable character that they try to implement, are examples of hybrid systems. And this is, I assume, the future. Uh, less uh, physical stores and more hybrid systems. And something else before I forget. What do you guys think about cultural consumerism? Can we consume culture? I know it's very random, but I had to I had to mention it. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And it relates me back to our last episode where we investigated the smart city. And I asked this kind of question neither of you two could answer, which was, how do you quantify culture? And I think it's quite a straightforward answer would be that you sell culture is how you quantify culture. Because if you sell culture, it's it's much easier and more lucrative to measure it, such as you know, selling tickets to museums or promoting museums as an item, not only of viewing and appreciation, but of consumption that you go to um, and you pay for, and they can measure how many people enter the museum, how long they spent there, uh, what did they buy from the gift shop. Um, and so I think that's a big thing around here. And also on a more macro level, selling a certain city or selling a certain area of a city as an, a, a very section of culture um i would not call the main shopping street here in vienna maria hilfestrasse i would not call that a epicenter of culture but <laughs> other areas of vienna uh relate to that epicenter and uh, make the city altogether kind of a cultural hub so i think it's pretty easy to think about uh, how people consume culture um because i think when you have something that's kind of seen or made out to be as culturally valuable it can also be con valuable as a consumer or something that people want to have or want to engage with and that job that we discussed throughout this episode of making the consumer want something or think that they want something or even need something becomes a lot easier when there's a big cultural um, attachment to that and This is not only museums and everything, but this is the entire ambiance of having a smartphone. You know, if you don't have that, then you're not in the shared culture that us consumers and individual individuals live in. Thank you very much. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Costa. And if I have to refer or somehow find association between our podcast and the topic consumerism, I would say what we're doing here is knowledge consumerism. How does that sound? I think it sounds good, but um, I might not roll with it so strongly, but nice. It's okay. <laughs> to all our listeners, um, we would like to invite you, if you have any uh, thoughts about the current or the future models of consumerism, feel free to drop them on our social media channels, Instagram, email, whatsoever. And on another note about the podcast, Uh, our next episode we plan to release right before the new year and it's going to be a 2020 recap. So everything great with this nine months of COVID or anything else, please send us something else. Um, please send us any recommendations or things you'd like uh, me, Robbie and Costa to talk about in our 2020 recap because we'll be popping bottles and celebrating the arrival of 2021 and we look forward to celebrating with you. But we please ask that you send us some topics other than COVID-19, lockdown and e-learning. Thanks. And last but not least, from all three of us, Harry, Costa and Robbie, we wish you very happy holidays, very joyful time with your families 
and make the best out of the Christmas break. 